Hello, this is Pastor Galen from the First Nazarene Church in Chicago, and welcome to our podcast. Hey, before we hear the message today, I simply wanted to say that no matter where you're at, we're glad that you're listening today. We hope this message will inspire you, instruct you, and help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. And if you live in the Chicagoland area, maybe this is the first step for you joining us in person sometime. Or if you want to, you can always check out our online live services every Sunday on our website at firstnaz.cc. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the message. Good morning, church. It is good to see you, uh, good to celebrate with you, see our kids dancing, singing, uh, saying, I thank God it is good to be together. Hey, just before we go into the message today, would you join me in prayer today? Let's pray. God, I'm incredibly thankful and filled with joy. We get to see our kids, our grandkids, or just our kids because they're a part of the church full of joy and of life and of love, saying, I thank God. God, at that same time, I think of many today in this room that were here now or in last service um, that are also walking through difficulty. Think of a family walking with one who may be in their last days. Think of one who, a family member, has surgery this week and is still in the hospital. Think of one who has been crying out for you for weeks and needs another special touch again today. Got to think of the relationships, some in the very beginning stages, some in difficult moments. God, would you come and give us today what we need? Would you encourage us, our hearts, by the praises of those around us? I'm reminded in scripture that you are the God of all comfort. Would you comfort those who need it today? God, encourage your people. And now as we turn to the message, pray that you would speak to us. You would take your words of scripture, the words I feel like you've laid on my heart, and that you would speak to us today. Let us not leave the same that we came in, but we would find something to respond to obediently to you, to be the people you want us to be, to help us to live in your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Speak to us in these moments. We love you, Jesus. Pray this in your name. Amen. Man, well, hey, if it is your first Sunday with us, thank you so much for being here with us. Uh, you are jumping into the second week of our little series called The Purple Kingdom. Uh, in this series, we recognize just as followers of Jesus that uh, we may live as residents, foreign residents in this country, but we're asking how do we live as citizens of heaven? We believe in Jesus. We're a faith community. It says we believe that Jesus is who he said he was, that he is the son of God who came and lived among us, lived a perfect life that we couldn't live. He died the death that we deserve on the cross because of our sin. But then the story doesn't end there. Three days later, God the Father raises him to new life and the power of the Spirit. And he walked on earth and continued to teach his disciples and then ascended where he now sits enthroned, think king language, at the right hand of God the Father, where one day he will come again uh, and we will see him face to face. So we are his people who live in his kingdom under his lordship. And we're asking the question, then how do we live? Uh, last week, we talked a little bit about the political season that we are in. How do we live in, as Christians in this time? If you missed it, I really would encourage you uh, go back. This was a message that a lot of you shared with somebody else. So go back and watch that one if you want to on the app or online. Uh, but also in this series, we're going to be looking at these phrases of Jesus. 
As Jesus walked around and speaking, and he says things like, the kingdom of heaven is like. We're looking at some of those stories, and we will today. Um, before we begin, I just want to encourage you to participate. We threw out so many next steps for you that I want you involved in in this series. Uh, last week, we talked about the Purple Kingdom Bible reading plan. If you're not currently reading the Bible, uh, pick one of those up on the door on the way out, or next steps, click on it, screenshot it. Begin to read the Bible with us. I think we'll continue Luke 6 or Luke 7 uh, this week together, uh, or the suggested Bible reading plan. Also last week, I invited you. In the course of this series, would you pray with me the Lord's Prayer? We're doing it in our services. But would you pray it with me in your homes every day throughout the week, from your home? And if you are committed to do that with us, if you would let us know your home, uh, your address, we would love to see where, our, where all our church is praying for the Lord's kingdom to come. You'll see just from last week. You can see the church here. It's kind of a neat picture that the southwest suburbs, if we could lean in as a church, kind of blanket our neighborhoods, our cities, and praying for God's kingdom to come here on earth as in heaven. We believe God hears our prayers and answers them. So I would encourage you on the next steps today, join in with us, and we'll get to see where all we are praying from. The other thing, if you're here for my installation service uh, about, what, two months ago, three months ago maybe, uh, I told you that this fall, as a new lead pastor here, I want to be a part of the congregation listening. So we called it the listening tour. On your next steps today, you'll see you'll have an opportunity to sign up for that if you want to. Uh, what that is, is uh, lunch at my wife and I's house. We'd love to host you, to eat with you, uh, to pray with you, hear about how you got to this church, and talk about our hopes and dreams for the future of this church. So you can sign up for there uh, today if you want to as well. So as we begin, let me ask you a question, and I want to hear back from you today. I'll give you a second to think about it. Here's the question. Who is the most famous person you've ever met. And I'll give you a second because I had to think about it. Uh, frankly, I'm a boy from rural Kansas and I'm like, I don't know, I haven't really met anybody that cool. Uh, but you all are very important people. You live in Chicagoland. There's lots of important people around here. Who's the most famous person you have met? Somebody yell out to me. Who you got? MJ. That did not take long. I was like, Chicagoland, maybe someone's met Michael. 100%. There you go. Tony Romo, okay. Who'd you say? I missed it. Walter Jacobson, okay. Okay. Wait, one or two more. Who you got? Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner. All right. Okay. All right. I was waiting for someone to be like, Pastor Galen. I'm like, <laughs> he need to get out a little more. I'm just a kid from Kansas. Go meet some important people. That's fine. Here's the, look at this. It's what's interesting. In society, oftentimes we look around, who's important? Who's famous? Man, I would love to meet them. If I would meet them, if they're in the same room, my wife calls it fangirling. If you're in the same room, like, oh my goodness, it's them, because they're important. That's how she talks, not how I talk, by the way. It's them, they're important. So one day, Jesus is walking around with his disciples, and they begin to question, you know, who's the greatest? Who's the most important? Who's the most famous in God's kingdom? Can you picture the conversation? You think it's Elijah? Like Moses did some like pretty sweet stuff. And there's, the, there's David. Yeah, he's probably on the list too. Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Stories found in Matthew 18. About that time, the disciples came to him and asked Jesus, because if Jesus is with you, you might as well ask him, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus calls a little child to him. 
and put the child among them. You picture it? You got James and John and Peter and everyone's gathered around and who's the greatest? Jesus, they're like, I've done a few things. I prayed for that person. Who's the greatest? And Jesus calls over a little kid. Hey, come here, come here. And he puts him right in the middle. I love that. He puts him among them. And he says, I tell you the truth. Unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as a little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. What an interesting picture. You know, I think the disciples probably had hopes and dreams of what Jesus would do. Jesus is important. He's healing people. We got to get the word out. Jesus is doing this important work. Like, there's no time for distractions. Like, we can't distract him from the good work that he's doing. Maybe for you, if you, especially some of you that work at home, like, you feel like the work you're doing is important and you need to push the ball forward. You need to accomplish things. It's really important. And then your child runs in the room or, like, unplugs the cord and everything goes off. And you're like, ah, oh, these... Children are a little distracting from the the good work that I'm supposed to be doing. C.S. Lewis said this, and I love this. It's worth committing to memory. Children are not a distraction from more important work. They are the most important work. You may have noticed around this place we value our families and our children, whether it's your children, grandchildren, or the families that come to our church Had a mom just after the first service, brand new, first time. So if it's your first time, you're not alone. Wow, you guys seem to really value kids. Yeah, we do. Maybe the greatest thing we'll ever do as a church is raise up the next generation of followers of Jesus who will take his good news and proclaim it throughout the ends of the earth, making disciples as Jesus called us to do. The greatest are like these children. I want to ask you, and some of you will answer this in your life groups this week, but this. What does it mean, so I read that, unless you turn from your sins and become like a little child, then you won't receive the kingdom. But if you do, you will. So what does it mean? What do you, when you read that from Jesus, how do you take it? What does it mean to receive the kingdom like a child? The first thing that for me that popped into my mind was my own child, my oldest is five, and uh, when we, when, where we just moved from, there was a park uh, right next to our house. And so often I would take her and her little sisters, Lillian and Shiloh, and we would go to the park and we would laugh and we would play. And now Lillian is a, she's like her father and is a crazy extrovert. And she would go, Dad, do you think there's going to be any friends at the park today? Do you think there's going to be friends at the park today? I don't know. We'll see when we get there. We get there and she's like, Dad, there's no friends at the park today. There's like one kid hiding behind a pole who like peeks half a face out. Friend, friend, take off running. Come play with me. Let's go play hide and seek. Like she loves it. She goes and finds friends and plays with them. But here's what's interesting. This park that was near our house, um, was our, that neighborhood was incredibly diverse. If there was ever an opportunity for my daughter to notice a difference in the way that we look and the way that people talked, Maybe even by the way they dressed would show what they believe. If there was ever an opportunity to be like, wow, we're very, very different from one another. That was probably it. But instead, my daughter, because she would like, what's your name? They'd say their name. She'd immediately forget. She would call them friend every time. To the point that, um, you know, we would go and we'd say, daddy, why don't they understand me? Daddy, they're talking funny. Where? Like, well, this, you know, they speak Spanish. They speak Polish, they're Polish they're Indian, whatever it was that day. They speak a different language. 
So one day, um, I go back into my daughter's room, and she's sitting there. She's like, I'm like what is she saying? And I open the door. I'm like, baby, what are, you, what are you doing? She's like, oh, I'm learning Spanish so I can talk to my friends at the park. I'm like, oh, you love that. Oh, that's so cool. And I like, walk out, you know, close the door. And then I come back, and I'm like, wait a minute. She's going to go to the park and walk up to some kid. The parents are going to look at me like, you're so disrespectful. I'm like, I'm sorry. Whatever. Whatever. She wanted to be friends. I wonder what it's like to look through the eyes of an innocent child again. When we could notice every difference of the way we look, the way we speak, the way we believe, but choose to see them maybe as God would see them, as an opportunity for everyone to become friend. Isn't the kingdom of heaven at the end of time we're given a picture of a multi-ethnic, multi-racial, bi-multilingual family of God together around the throne praising Jesus, the one who has saved us, the one who has set us free, who has made us new, the one who makes us a family when we have nothing else in common. We have him in common. That's the picture. And I wonder if our children might have that a little bit more right than we do. Secondly, that's just from me, but from the scripture itself, Jesus says, so anyone who becomes as humble as a child, how is a child humble? Well, they don't have a lot. They can't do a lot as far as physical strength or mental, the things that we know. Uh, They're humble in that way. But I think of it this way. When my daughter asks me for something and when I say something to her, she trusts that it's true. Hey, Dad, can, um, you know, is dinner coming? Yes, dinner's coming. I promise you, you won't starve. I will have food for you. Okay. Dad, I'm scared. I'm with you. It will be okay. Okay. Sometimes I'm scared too, and I'd say that to her, but she trusts that it's true. When the Father speaks, there's an immediate trust. Yes. You have best intentions in mind for me. You love me, you'll take care of me, you provide for me. So when you say something, I believe it's true. Would it look like for you today to have a childlike faith, to respond and take Jesus at his word? What you say is true. I choose to believe, I choose to follow. Yes, it's true. Now, I know the second I say that, I recognize that there are different people in this room and in the faith. My wife is one who, from, from the very beginning, she has this beautiful, childlike, simplistic kind of faith where she says, I believe Jesus. If he said it, it's true. Can't we all just love God and love people and do the work he's called us to do? I'm like, wow, that's wonderful for you. I have so many questions. But what about this? And what about this? And when Jesus said this, did he really mean this? And what about... I doubt a little more. I have a little bit more criticism, a little bit more critique. And I know some of you are like that too. Today, if that's you and you have doubts, I've said this before, but I want you to hear it again. Your doubt is not the antithesis to your faith. Doubt and faith can actually go hand in hand. Many times doubt is the doorway to a deeper faith. See, when you have doubts, when you have questions, what's more important is what you do with them. The only time doubt goes against faith is if you have doubts and you don't do anything with them. But what if you could take those doubts to Jesus? God, I don't know, so I want to find out. Jesus said, seek and you will find. 
So seek him with your questions. Pick up books, read, call a pastor, pray with a group of friends. Take the question to your life group. They may not have an answer, but they will help you seek. And you seek, and maybe and Jesus isn't hiding from you. He wants to be found. So if you have doubts, take them to him. And they can be the doorway to a deeper faith for you. Keep pressing in. But today, can we trust and take Jesus at his word? Today, ultimately, here's what I want to say. In the purple kingdom under Jesus' reign, those who have influence humble themselves like children to serve others. To serve others. I want to share with you, and if you have your Bibles, you click on the Bible on your First Naz app, it's going to take you to Philippians 2 today. This was the second passage of Scripture that I ever memorized kind of as a block. And if you've got some time this week, turn off the TV and maybe you would memorize it too. Get it stuck in your head. It's beautiful. I hope you see it. Philippians 2 starting in verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility. Think of children. Value others above yourself, not looking out to your own interests, but each one of you to the interests of others. What does it mean to look like to follow Jesus? This is one or two verses, verse three and verse four. This is the picture of everything. And then Paul goes on to explain it a little bit longer. So he says it this way, in your relationships with each other, verse five, have the same mind as Christ Jesus. There's a beautiful, this next part uh, you'll recognize has kind of got a flow, a rhythm to it. It's a hymn, it's a song of the early church. In your relationships, this is how you should live in and among one another. Have this mind of Christ Jesus, and here it is. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Do you recognize Jesus as God didn't have to show up as a little baby? What if he came and was like, hey, everyone, I'm God. I'm the one that can snap my fingers and make things happen. I speak worlds into existence by simply speaking. I am God. You should all gather around me. Pay me the respect that I am due. Use it to his own advantage, to whatever. And that's honestly how a lot of the ancients believe things about their gods, but not ours. God is God, and he needs nothing from us. So instead, he comes in all power, although he is God. He doesn't use it for his own advantage, but rather he makes himself nothing. By taking on the very nature of a servant, he made himself nothing. The Greek is kenosis. He's emptying himself for the sake of others. Taking on the nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself. By becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now here's what's interesting. Normally, I said this last week, we talk about Jesus as Savior. Jesus, save me from my sins. Save me from my addiction. Save me from this terrible thing in life. Jesus is Savior. Last week, we talked about making Jesus as Lord. God, I surrender to whatever it is you want for my life. I am yours. I want to follow you. Speak whatever you want. I want to know you more. I surrender to you as Lord. This week, I want to say this. Follow Jesus. When Jesus walked around and was picking out his disciples, he didn't say, pray, confess your sins, turn, pray this prayer, and then you'll go to heaven when you die. No. He walks up to him and he says, hey, follow me. Be my apprentice. Watch what I do. Watch how I live. Become like the master. Do what I do. 
Now you see this, this passage from Philippians 2 gives us a shape, a posture of how Jesus lived. I want you to see this. Jesus who is God, quality with God, not something to, use, to be used to his own advantage, but rather he humbles himself, taking on the nature of a servant, being found in appearance of a man. He humbles himself again, becoming obedient even to death, even death on a cross. You start as he is God, but he's dying on a cross. You see this downward shape, serving. It's a downward mobility. Lay down your life for others. And if you live your life in this way, the song takes a turn. It says, therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Do you see this beautiful turn? Oh, he lays down his life and ultimately gives glory to God the Father as he raises him up in due time. So if we follow Jesus... We should live our lives in the same way that he does. That's what John says later. We live our lives emptying of ourselves to serve others so that it would point people to Jesus and that God the Father would receive credit as we are raised in due time and and God will be glorified in and through our self-sacrificing love that we live for the world. This is how we are called to live in God's kingdom. You know, it's interesting that we're called Christians. Do you know where that first came from? Christians. Like Jesus Christ, obviously, Christians. But here's what it means. It means little Jesus. And not like, well, I'm a whole lot of heathen with a little bit of Jesus. No, that's not it. So when people would look at you, you'd be a little version of Jesus. When they look at you to raise to glory of God the Father, they would see the love of the Father in heaven. When they look at you in the way you live your life, you may not go and die on a cross, but you would give of yourself so that others may know the love of God, just like Jesus did. That you would be raised and they would see him. Just a little Jesus, Christians together. So here's the good news in the kingdom of God. In this world, we love the stars. Oh, Tom Brady is back again. Steph Curry hit another shot. Can you believe the new movie they're making? Aaron Rodgers' hair is terrible. He needs to cut it off. That one came out of nowhere. I'm sorry. We love the stars, don't we? We idolize them. But yet in the kingdom of God, sometimes we do the same things, don't we? Oh, man, that... That little old lady in the Bible study, the way she prays, the way she follows Jesus, I could never be like her. Man, that man who leads the Bible study, I could never be like him. All the people up on stage, my faith isn't like them. We try to elevate stars. Jesus isn't calling a single one of us to stardom. Instead, he's calling all of us to servanthood. You don't have to be a star. You don't have to be the best. The only thing Jesus requires of you is to say yes to him, to respond to him, to love God and to love others in this world. And I just wanted to pause for a moment. As I was writing this message this week, um, I thought about people who serve. And I thought about some of you who have served for years. And I felt like God put this little check in my spirit, so I wanted to make sure I said this today. For some of you, I just wanted to encourage you. Maybe you have been serving for years, And you feel like you're not seeing any kind of benefit. 
Maybe cynically you'd look at Jesus and be like, well, Jesus, uh, you know, the three years of your teaching and then you died on the cross in a matter of a couple days, like, it's almost easier to serve in one given moment than just over a whole lifetime. I've been doing this forever and I'm not seeing any results. I want to encourage you today. Keep on serving. Maybe you have been selflessly loving your kids for years. Maybe you have been taking care of someone for years. Maybe you have selflessly served your church and you feel like no one has said thank you. First of all, thank you. Maybe you feel like you have given generously, but no one seems to notice. Maybe you have selflessly served your spouse even when they have not reciprocated your love. And you're wondering, is it still worth it? Why should I keep doing this? Is it possible? Is it still worth it? I want to remind you today, our hope, our joy, our satisfaction is never found in what is temporary or finite. Does it feel good to be noticed, accepted, validated, seen, appreciated? 100% yes. But even if you're not, I want to remind you, Jesus died, gave up his life for people that would ultimately reject him. We serve whether or not the results, whatever those are, come. And here's the encouragement today. Jesus says, your heavenly father sees what is done in secret and he will reward you. When we get to heaven, I think there's going to be so many people. Stories are going to get told People are going to say, oh, I served this, even just one person. I served this person for so many years. They saw the love of Jesus through me. Like, we're going to say, what? I had no idea. I had no idea you were giving of your time. I had no idea you were giving your, I had no idea. Ah, friend, if you're weary today, be encouraged. God sees what you do in secret, even if nobody else does. And he will reward you in due time. I think that as Paul is writing in the Philippians, he knows that we're going we're gonna to live this life of service and we may grow tired at some times. You read down in verse 2, he says, or in chapter 2, it says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. This is a Bible verses, you know, former youth pastor often, like parents, like elbow their teenagers. You see what This is for everybody. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault and warped and crooked generation. And in a world where we love to look at stars and elevate them, but we live in the way of service, I love this little turn, then you will shine among them, the world, like stars in the sky, if you hold firmly to the word of life. In the kingdom of heaven, the way to find your life is to lose it. In the kingdom of heaven, the way to experience God's love is to love him first. For he has already loved you first. You return and love him. Lay down your life for your friends, as scripture says, and you find life and love. In the kingdom of heaven, if you want to be a star, go and serve. Just like Jesus, who takes the robe off, wraps it around his waist, takes the towel, and begins to wash feet. We serve others. I'm convinced, you know, we often think of stars, especially in the Christian world. You think of preachers who fill auditoriums. Can I tell you, there'll be a whole lot more people in heaven that didn't have an impact on the masses 
They had an impact on one or two people. They loved one or two kids really well and discipled them to follow Jesus. They taught kids classes and taught those kids how to follow Jesus. They walked across the street to their neighbors and told them about Jesus. There'll be way more of those people in heaven. I'm convinced there'll be a lot more farmers than Fortune 500 CEOs. Can we do the simple things of life to love God and serve others? Today, I want to end by asking you the reverse question again that we started with. Who's important, but who's important in the kingdom of God? We often think, I'm not important, it's it's somebody else. Today, I want to remind you, you are important to God. He loves you, he sees you, he wants a relationship with you. Turn from your sins, follow him. Receive forgiveness of sin, receive new life. Receive abundant life, both now and forever. But now watch this. You may not think you're important to many people, but I bet you're at least important to one or two. You have influence with people. If you can simply speak words and create life, wow, you did really good today, or wow, that was awful today, and it affects them, you have influence. So if we live in Jesus' kingdom this week, then, this is what I want to ask you, what will you do with your influence this week? I'm going to put a timeline on it, seven days. What will you do with the influence you have? Maybe it's a kid, teenager who's coming back from youth retreat today. Maybe it's a neighbor a coworker, a boss, you have influence, what will you do with it? Will you say, oh, look at me, and I'm doing everything in my life to serve me? And if you do that for long, you'll find that life is empty. Or will instead you pour out your life for them? I want to ask you to do it in two ways this week. First of all is intentional. Think of someone you have influence with and make a plan. I'm going to go over to that grandma's house who I don't think she gets many visitors. I'm going to make her some cookies. I'm going to take them to her. I'm going to go give a phone call to that person who I know needs it. I'm going to go visit that person in the hospital. Make an intentional plan. But then secondly, and this is what I'm praying for you, I want God to give you eyes to see impromptu moments of service this week. That as you go and as you live your life, that the thought would cross your mind, oh, I could do this for them. And when that thought crosses your mind this week, I want you to respond to it and do it. And in some small way, just a little, little Christian, little Christ, in some small way, God, can your kingdom come here on earth as in heaven through what you are having me do by serving other people this week. Use your influence, humble yourself, serve others, and lift them up around you. It's a final note and thought. You know, we raise our kids, and as a society, we have a fatuation with the stars. You know what I'm realizing more and more? Stardom is rarely friendly to people. All that influence, all those eyes on, all the, man, it turns them into egotistical, it turns them into isolated, alone, get personas outside of who they really are. Man, that's not what I want for my kids. My kid to be a star. What if I could change my thought and say, I want my kids to be servants. By the time my kids are 30 and 50 and 60 and 80, There will be tons of people around them, younger than them, that says, oh, because of them. Do you know what they did for me and now my life is different because of it? Even if it's just one or two. That actually has an internal impact in life. So let us be servants. Here's my prayer. May God make us into his community of servants so that when we look at others, we do so with eyes that are observant. 
to where we can love and serve and meet their needs, that just by our love, they can see that we are a people from which the love of God proceeds. This week, let's follow the posture and the pattern of King Jesus and lay down our lives for others out of love so that when the watching world sees us, they would know there's a God who loves them in heaven above. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we are humbled and grateful that you did not come as a king demanding loyalty, as a king demanding honor and worthy, saying, look at me. But instead, you came in the humblest of ways as a baby. You lived the life that we couldn't. You died the death that we deserve because of our sin, because you care for us. Your life was given to serve and to be as a ransom for many, Scripture says. God, we are thankful for the gift that we get of grace and of mercy and of forgiveness of sins and eternal life with you if we would turn from our sin and follow you. Friend, today, can I ask you, have you asked Jesus to forgive you? Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Help me to follow you. God, for all of us as a church, we say you are our Savior. We say you are our Lord. But now help us to follow you in the pattern of living. Help us to die to ourselves and our selfishness. And instead, turn to you. Lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And as the world watches, may they see just a little Jesus, a little Christ, that would point them to the love of the Father who loves them and wants to be known by them. God, make us into your people, your community, as children. We love you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us for the First Naz podcast. If you're interested in what your next step in growing your relationship with God might look like, I'd encourage you to visit us at firstnaz.cc engage, or you can download our app from the App Store, First Nazarene Church. And there you can let us know if you've made a decision for Jesus, or you can also find practical resources to help you grow closer to Jesus. I'd also invite you to subscribe to the podcast if you're not already to make sure that you've always got the latest content. And if you want to, feel free to share this on your social accounts. You never know who else might need to hear today's message as well. Well, thanks again for joining us. Have a great day.